You're rocking with the voice of Soundview. We put our spin on trending topics and school news. Thought provoking, insightful, we speak the truth. We do it for all ages, not just for the youth. Uh, listen close, you might learn something. Or laugh so hard, you split your side of something. Uh, live stream a podcast. Whenever you tune in, it's sure to be a blast. Uh, let's be honest, you don't want to miss that. Content so real, you're going to want to run it back. We keep you entertained while making an impact. Want form and announcements? Well, this is not that. Uh, sports, pop, culture, political. Whatever you like, we got you covered, bro. Uh, it's a movement more than just a show. It's KSBM Radio. Broadcasting live from Marvin E. Robinson School of Business and Management, Dallas, Texas. My radio station. We are KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. Hello, and welcome to KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. I'm your host, Ghost. And I'm Dior. I'm AD. I'm AD. And and today we have a very special guest joining us today, hailing from Brazoria, Texas. She is a proud member of you of UNT, member of AKA sorority. She was the, and she was the principal of the 2018 Principal of the Year finalist at DISD. She's played a pivotal role leading her campus to receive the National Blue Ribbon School Award and receive a remarkable 18th ranking in the state of Texas in the US News and World Reports, 2023 and 2024 best, high, best public high schools. Please join us in welcoming the esteemed Principal of Health Professions here at Townview, Ms. Lissandra Sanders-Gillard. Thank you for joining us today. Is there anything you'd like to share with us before we begin? Oh, no. I'm just happy to be here with um, each of you here at the School of Business and Management. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to start with a little bit of background. Um, Growing up in Brazario, Texas, how did your experiences shape your sense of identity and values? So I grew up actually in the city of Brazoria, but there's a county called Brazoria, which is south of Houston. Houston is in Harris County, and so Brazoria is in Brazoria County. And I grew up in the actual city of Brazoria. Um, I attended Sweeney High School. It has one stoplight. <laughs> we had one elementary, we had one middle school, and we had one high school. Um, I actually lived in what was called the MIMS community. So just an interesting fact the MIMS community uh, prior to the Civil War was a MIMS plantation. So it owned slaves and everything like that. Um, But the way it contributed for me is everything is a tight knit in a small community. Everybody knows everybody regardless of ethnicities. So I had a bunch of black friends, had a bunch of white friends, had a bunch of Hispanic friends, like we all grew up together. Um, You can kind of think of it as second, third generation. My okay. mom went to the same school district, so did my sister, who's 13 years older than me. I went there. My nieces and nephews went there, so everybody knows everybody. So it's just great that everybody kind of gets along, and the main moral of a country town is, hey, each one reach one. So the way we, ex- we achieve what we have is the prior generation always wants the next generation to be better than what they have and to always give back. Like advancement, like investment of, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. They give all that they have to ensure that we're able to make it. And so in return, we roll it forward. Okay. Um, So what inspired you to pursue a career in education? (laughs) Let's see. Um, For me, education was kind of like a family thing. Um, In high school, I knew that I always enjoyed um, tutoring students. I had a, a really good gift of being patient 
and just helping people understand different aspects that may have been different for them. Um, I had an uncle in California who was a, a campus administrator. Um, I had two aunts who were counselors. Um, I had a great aunt who was also in education. So for me, it appeared to be a, na a natural progression or a natural phase. However, when I graduated from high school, I majored in biology because my favorite teacher, who was also my cheerleading coach, was a biology teacher. So I majored in biology, and I felt like I wanted to minor in um, uh, go to medical school, right? Uh, that was the track that UNT had. But the sight of blood in me don't really get along. <laughs> so I quickly, uh, you know, changed courses, and I stayed with the um, bachelor's degree in biology. And my dad was an engineer, and he worked for Dow Chemicals. So I went to work at the competitor, which was Occidental Chemical. But I did not quite like business. And the love of always helping people and that patience was ever-present. So then I made a shift and said, hey, if some of the other family members are able to be successful in education, let me give it a, sh a shot to see if I could do it. And here I am. Okay. So um, how did your parents contribute to your fostering love for education, service, and community involvement? Well, that's a really good one. My dad attended an HBCU, Prairie View A&M University, and he's just always hounding me from the time basically that I can walk. I want you to go to college. Um, he specifically wanted me to attend an HBCU. Um, however, back then, Prairie View did not look like what it looks now. And I told him, oh, no, Dad, I need amenities. I will go to the university, but I will call you every day if you don't give me amenities. Nowadays, we know that Preview A&M, they have won the lawsuit, and so their campus is extremely beautiful. Um, my youngest nephew attends Preview A&M, and my middle sister also graduated from Preview A&M. But my dad always instilled that love of education for me. My mom never went to uh, a college or university. She did a trade school. Um, and so she just always encouraged me. It's a part of that um, small town mentality to be greater than what we are, to aspire to do more. Um, so for me, I was the one that was able to bring um, not only our family out, but the next generation after me as well. Um, my dad also uh, was heavily involved in community service. Um, he worked for the drainage district. He was an elected officer. And he also did community service with the Lions Club. So when I was at North Texas, uh, you have a lot of um, different organizations that you can participate in, and so we did a lot of those, whether or not they were honor society, anything that was community-based, that was something that I enjoyed doing. Um, so, yeah, they just kept pounding it into me. Uh, after graduation, you started your career as a teacher at Alex W. Spence Tag Middle School in DISD. Mm -hmm. How did this teaching experience shape your views about school? Oh, wow. So that was almost like 25 years ago, right? Because I've <laughs> been um, here in Dallas about that long. Um, I love my first experience. Some of my teachers then are teachers here at Townview. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, it gave me the opportunity to really experience or put into practice, if you will, those things that I love, my passions the ability to help people to transform lives, to actually see light bulbs go off um, in the eyes of the students is just magnificent to me. Uh, to be able to create opportunities and pathways that kids could never see, it's just always been a dream of mine. Um, coming from my hometown, that was how we did it. 
each one teach one and you bring one with you. And so it was just kind of like a natural extension for me. I absolutely loved it. Um, Alex W. Spence Talented and Gifted Academy is a school within a school. It had a comprehensive middle school, but it also had the talented and gifted part. I loved it because in the real world, it is my experience that you don't always have one type of student. You're always around a lot of different types of people. So to be able to impact students in that way and to help guide them along that journey was what I absolutely loved. Would you say you uh, struggled like when you were first teaching? Or? Oh, absolutely. Okay. My first year was a blur. Mm. It was a blur. <laughs> um, most new teachers, you struggle with, number one, I can't believe somebody trusted me to teach this. Oh. Like, they trust me to do this? And you, so you have to go and um, have confidence in yourself, and then you have to hone your craft of being an educator, which is very difficult. Um, most people don't think it is, but it's extremely difficult. You have classroom managements. You have a lot of different personalities and dynamics that you have to maintain and manage. And foremost, you also should be forming those relationships with the students because without those relationships, you're not going to be able to teach them what they need to know. They're just going to be thinking like the Peanuts character. (laughs) But once you have that relationship with them, you can get the kids to do just about anything that you want because you can see all of the varying perspectives. Mm-hmm. What did you originally teach? Was it biology? Because you have a bachelor's in biology. So when I first started, um, I taught one year as a math teacher. I taught algebra one. And then my second through the eighth year, um, I taught biology. Mm-hmm. So seventh okay. grade science. Okay. What made you want to teach algebra and you like you didn't have a degree in math or anything like that? So one of the things that I didn't share about my journey at the University of North Texas, I was also I minored in chemistry mm-hmm. and I have a love for math. I was naturally Mm -hmm. gifted. Um, I did not have to take any math classes at the University of North Texas because I tested out of all of them. So they were like, hey, let's give you this math test. Let's see how many math courses you have to test. And I tested out of every one of them. Um, One of the natural proclivities for educators, if you like science, they typically like math too. So when I was first hired, there was a need for a math teacher. And they say, hey, can you do it? I was like, sure. (laughs) I can give it a try. Um, I just did it for that one year. I still absolutely loved it, but my heart is science. All right. Can you compare some of your experiences as a teacher to some of your experiences as an associate principal at Skyline? Oh, wow. So the natural alignment, I would say, is that um, Alex W. Spence is a, was a, or is a school within a school and Skyline High School is a school within a school. So it has a comprehensive part and it also has the uh, magnet parts. Um, as an associate principal, I was associate principal of both parts. So I did mm-hmm. the comprehensive side and I did the um, magnet side. Um, at Alex W. Spence, I only had experience at the magnet side, but the two go hand in hand. Once you're exposed to comprehensive side of school, It's the same thing, but you learn to help the kids who are gifted enough to make it on the side of magnet. You you have the ability to help them have an appreciation for what they have achieved because everybody can't achieve that. Some want that, but they can't meet the marker. They they may get very close to it, but they can't quite get over. Um, But as a teacher, it's just a love of um, helping the kids understand all of the opportunities that are available. Um, as an administrator, as an associate principal, and as assistant principal, it's the same thing. Everything is about opportunities. And stu- if students are not aware of it, 
education is the key to success. So would you say you approached all those students the same, or would you say you came at them a little differently? No, um, I think that every student is different. Okay. So how I may address you guys may be a little bit different than a first-generation student because they have no idea, for example, of what to expect. They have no idea of the questions that they should be asking. They have no ideas of the classes that they should be taking and why those classes are important versus someone who comes from a more educated family who they may have doctors or lawyers or they may have parents who went to a college or the university. The background for those kids is a lot stronger. So my conversations with them, it looks a little bit different. And that's also one of the good things about education. Once you form the relationships with the kids, you can figure out, okay, now where am I going to start with this person? And where am I going to start with this person to make it make sense for them? Mm -hmm. okay. uh, so reflecting on your leadership journey, can you share some specific challenges you faced and how you overcame them? Hmm. You know, there's always challenges in everything that we do. Um, you know, I think like the greatest challenge when you're looking at um, administration and leadership is being able to effectively um, guide the kids, guide parents, guide um, teachers who work underneath you into being their ultimate best. There's a such thing as being someone's cheerleader, and then there's another thing of being their coach. If I'm coaching you, we're all in this journey together. And we understand that there is no right or wrong, but whatever the, the step is, we take the next step together, right? Um, if I'm your cheerleader, I'm only seeing just the positive things. Oh, mm -hmm. let's do this, do this, do this, do this. And there's no opportunity to have conversations, sincere conversations about, well, when you fall, not if you fall, but when you fall, how do you get up? Constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. Could you share with us an instance like that where you coach someone or when you're like cheerlead someone? Mm -hmm. So a coaching moment for me is going to be like when I have a veteran teacher. Veteran teacher, they have highs and they have lows. Some years they have great classes and other years they don't have great classes. And so for some teachers, it could make them wonder or second guess, am I in this profession for the right reason? Am I effective as a, as a teacher? Um, because it just ebbs and flows. Um, and all of it really and truly is contingent upon what type of students do you have and what relationships are you building with them? And so there is no cookie cutter approach. So what the veteran teacher did last year may not be as effective for this year, okay? So the cheerleading moment is more so with my new teachers. Because the research says that if you want to retain the teachers, you got to keep them within the first three years. If they're going to leave, they're going to leave in the first three years of their career. And so you want to have all of those positive moments, those happy times, mm -hmm. so that they can keep going and they understand like all of the work that they never thought occurred in teaching. They don't think that there's a lot of work involved in lesson plannings and grading papers and doing research. They don't see that. What they normally see when they come in is, oh, I get Christmas off, I get Thanksgiving off, I got mm -hmm. spring break, and I have summertime off. Mm -hmm. But the work behind it is a lot. Yeah. They don't get to see or they've never had the opportunity to consider, oh, teachers also do extracurricular activities. Oh, we're going to HOSA. HOSA is this weekend, next weekend, and we have practice, and we have state and international. 
And these are times that I have to take away from my family. I didn't bargain for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with new teachers, you really have to be their cheerleader. You got to give them all of the positives. Because if you try to deduct the negatives and your bank is empty, it just may not work out. Mm-hmm. But if you keep depositing a lot of the uh, positive things, boom, 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 then when they have the bad day, because it's going to come, it won't be so bad. Right. The likelihood of them being retained is going to still be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, how did it feel to be recognized as a 2018 Principal of the Year finalist in Dallas ISD? (laughs) I think that was just kind of like, um, it was a great feeling. You know, it's a great feeling. Um, As an educator, we're all lifelong lifelong learners. We never stop learning. Mm -hmm. But to receive the recognition by your peers and within your district that, hey, you are within this particular group of principals. It's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome feeling. Every day um, I look at that particular trophy. It's in my office. It sits on, the, on my desk. And it's just a reminder, kind of like when I came from my hometown. Mm-hmm. Reach one, teach one. You were given this gift, and you're utilizing your gift, but never forget to utilize it to the maximum of my ability. So what I have the potential to do is not the same as what another administrator has the potential to do. So I have to always be working on my craft. So nowadays what I do to stay on top of that, of course you have professional developments and trainings that you attend, but I also like to mentor new, new principals. Okay. New principals, I like it. Okay. Did you always like see yourself win that award or did you like, were you like kind of surprised by it? I was actually surprised by it because for me to do a good job is just inherent with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to tell people I am my own worst critic. If I think that I'm doing a good job, then I probably am. If I think that I'm not doing a good job, that could be questionable because Mm -hmm. someone else may look at it from a different lens and they're like, you were really good. I like that idea. Where for me, a lot of times I'm just a little bit more um, critical of my own self. Yeah, I feel (laughs) that. Yeah. But no, I did not think that I would ever get that award. I'm glad that I did receive that award. Um, yeah. So as you transition into your role as principal of School of Fellow Professions, mm-hmm. what, what differences did you notice among educational institutes you've been a part of? What, what was the difference? What again? What, again? what was the difference between educational institutes you were a part of? Uh, the differences when I became a principal, um, I don't necessarily know if there were any differences because I received my both my bachelor's and my master's degree from the same institution, which is the University of North Texas. So I already had an understanding of what that program looked like. Um, they do a really good job of pouring into their students' reality. A lot of times when you're into educational programs, You get all of the foundations and all of the other stuff, but they never really put you into a real-world scenario. So when you get the degrees, you're kind of like, what? What did I sign up for? (laughs) But I never had that experience with North Texas. They were really good about making sure that we had selected a very good internship sites, and so I always had an opportunity to understand and know what I was getting into. So it was never like... Um, a surprise for me. I will say one of the biggest challenges is the um, the realization as a campus administrator that you never get off from work. 
Okay. So I see kids everywhere. And they're like, hey, Principal Giller, hey, Principal Sanders, because I just got married, right, a year ago. Um, so I hear both names, but they're everywhere. I see them at the grocery store. I see them at the movies. It's kind of like mm. you can't get away from it. And so um, you, you're always on your best behavior because you never know who's watching. Mm -hmm. The other thing about being in education, I'm sorry, for as long as I've been, is I have generations. So my first class, now remember I told you I have a couple of teachers that work here at um, Townview. I have some that are principals. And so when you see them and they have their kids, it's like, whoa, I'm going to bring my daughter to you. What? Don't tell anybody that because I'm young. I don't want them to know my real age like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> What were those uh, internships like? You know? um, for me, I always selected sites and um, projects that – I felt were uh, most beneficial for me um, that would provide me with the most leverage so that I could actually learn. So for example, when I was at Skyline, of course, we know it's the largest school here in Dallas ISD, I but I also, it is, but I also had the opportunity to train with like 10 other administrators. So as a new principal or a new um, associate and assistant principal, I had a lot of different people that I could gather information from, right? So it's, it's just awesome um, when you're able to do that. Here at Townview, it's very similar um, because there are numerous principles here that you can glean information off of. But in terms of internship sites, you know, I just select the ones that give me the most bang for my buck. I'm a real person, and I like to understand real things. So I went from Skyline, which is in Pleasant Grove, my Years of teaching at um, Spence, that's downtown. Those are totally different populations. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now here definitely. I am at, mm -hmm. at Townview, and we're in Oak Cliff. So I just like the exposure to a lot of different things. Um, I think I can do it all. It's just about exposure. I don't think that one area is better than the other, but I think that wherever you are, you need to give it your all because mm -hmm. those kids deserve what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in Pleasant Grove, and I'm not, um, and I'm more polished than they are, or this or that, mm. then I have the opportunity by the way that I live, the way that I carry myself to teach them a lesson just in my behavior. But at the same time, they're teaching me things too. How do I relate with the community? Because as an assistant principal or administrator, you're not leading by yourself as no one's following. Okay. So if you want somebody to follow you, you have to get into the groove with what's going on. You have to know the people. You have to form those relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a give-give relationship, and I just like it. So since the student population at Skyline was so much larger than mm -hmm. what you have now, was that, a, was that such a big difference since there's huge. a lot less administrators, there's a lot <laughs> less people? Yeah. It was a huge transition. Um, my first day um, here, so... At Skyline, I've, I've always been polished. You know, you wear your shoes, you have on your heels. But when the bell rang, you took off your took off your heels, you put on your your, your tennies or your flats, <laughs> clip on your radio, and you walk the hall. So, um, my very first day here at Townview, I had no idea because remember, all of my years have been a school within a school. I've always had a comprehensive and a magnet, so it just kind of balanced itself out. I came here to Townview. Let me tell you, the bell <laughs> rang. I did my normal routine, which I have been doing for years now. Took my heels off, put on my flats, clipped my radio on, and the halls were just about empty. I was like, wait a minute, hold, oh, please. What, what is this that I have come into contact with? Because it is 
totally different than what I've ever was used to. Um, and so it's lessons to be learned there. You know, how do you turn it on? It's kind of like a chameleon. When you're in Rome, you do as the Romans do. If this group of kids does not need this part of my personality, then let me give them this. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, in light of your school's achievements, such as being named a Blue Ribbon uh, School and being ranked number 18 in the state of Texas, mm -hmm. what are your strategies that you have implemented to drive improvement compared to previous years? Um, what do I use to drive improvement is I just want the kids to do their best. And I believe that every day a kid comes to school, they're going to give you their best if they understand what best looks like. And so I just like spending a lot of time, if you will, on the education part. What does it mean to be good in health science? What does it mean to be a good dentist? What does it mean to be good in exercise science? What does it mean to be good in med lab? What does it mean to be good in patient care technology? I have five programs and what good looks like in each of those pathways and programs is different. Mm -hmm. So not only do I hire the best teachers for the kids so that they have the opportunity to experience, but every one of my teachers has worked in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So when my PCT kids who may be interested in becoming nurses ask their teacher a question, she's telling them what she has experienced. When all of the kids get ready for internships, the teachers are telling them what they themselves have already experienced. So at the end of the day, um, how do I drive instruction? I always want the kids to focus on being their best. Your best may be a 90, your best may be an 80, but at the end of the day, your best is your best. Mm -hmm. right. Do you learn, well, not do you learn, have you learned while you were at health for four years what the health science programs were? Do you have a solid foundation? Are you able to articulate to your family members and your friends, yes, I like this feel, no, I don't like this feel, but more importantly, why? Did we expose you with it to everything that we possibly could to help formulate that educated decision for you? And that's what I base it on. Okay. So how do you foster partnerships with other organizations to provide service opportunities to your health students? So for health professions, we have what's called an advisory committee. And so we meet uh, quarterly with different community people. Those relationships are fostered a lot of the times from the relationships that the previous teachers had when they worked in the workforce. So if I had a teacher that left Parkland and they came to work with me, just because they left Parkland, it doesn't mean that they left their connections. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it goes a lot of the times. Um, a lot of our kids over the years have graduated from health. They've gone into the profession of health. The career fair that the counseling department here at Townview had this past Friday, you saw several health alum. When they go out, those are additional, excuse me, connections as well. So how do we foster the relationships? It starts with the partnerships. It starts with the relationships that we originally had, either from our original job or from our alum. Sometimes it's also our parents, because some of the kids here, they may be second generation health science people, meaning that they really have a good understanding of it. And so their family was, oh yeah, I have a friend of a friend that can do that. Um, other ways that we foster relationships this year for uh, Principal for a Day, uh, my principal for a day came from Texas Tech. Oh, okay. So, of course, she's excited because it's a, it's a natural pipeline, right? 
But the kids have an opportunity to experience firsthand from someone who does this all the time. Hmm. Okay. So with the unique structure of Townview having uh, six principals Mm -hmm. overseeing different schools, can you elaborate on the challenges and advantages of this collaborative approach to leadership? Sure. Um, Some of the advantages is if you're a new principal and you're coming in, you have like five different people to bounce ideas off of. Mm -hmm. And all of us have a strength of our own. Some are good with relationships. Some are good organizationally. So you kind of have like a built-in family, if you will. If I'm out for the day and I need someone to have my back, I know that the other five have my back. Um, If I am horrible with balancing a budget, I know I can go down the hallway and ask someone, hey, help me figure out how to do this balancing budget thing. Or if I'm a little shy about hiring teachers or I don't really know which questions to ask to find the right ones, there's someone here at the building in terms of the other five that can help me along. It's kind of like you have a built-in family. You have a lot of sisters and brothers. Hmm. Now, the thing about having sisters and brothers is every day we don't always get along, right? (laughs) So one of the cons of having six principals here is we're all alphas. Mm. We all have our own ideas and our own ways in which we want to carry things out. And so we have to come to the table to agree. Sometimes we just agree to disagree because it's just hard. (laughs) Sometimes we say, you know what, this is for the betterment of the kids. We're going to do it like this. Mm. So that's just one of the cons. When everybody is running their own school and you have your own idea in terms of how you feel that your your campus can run the best, coming to a compromise. Because we share teachers here. Mm -hmm. Now, for those classes that we don't share teachers with, it's easy. Right. You can do it like you want to do it. You can move it like you want to move it Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But when you share... It's a lot more difficult because now you're not just thinking about your particular school with your students' likes. You're thinking about all 2,700 kids and what they need and what they like. Because you're all over something. We're all over something. Right. So going back to going back to where you said uh, the, the School of Health Professions has like all these partnerships, mm-hmm. can you, you like elaborate on some of those partnerships? Uh, so our students partner with, if they're in exercise science, which is formerly sports medicine, they partner with Dallas ISD's um, athletic department. Mm-hmm. And so the students have the opportunity to um, work with the trainers at their home high schools so that they don't have to travel so far for internships. So if I come from, I don't know, Samuel or W2Y, then I would partner with that particular trainer at that site. Um, Other uh, partnerships that we have here on campus, we have the dental clinic. Um, We work under the licensure of actual dentists that have their own practices. Hmm. Um, So every year we either roll over some of the dentists or we seek recommendations and referrals for different ones so that our students have the opportunity to have exposure with them. We have partnerships with UT Southwestern, with Parkland, so on and so forth. We also have um, partnerships with private practices. Um, Some of them are former students um, that we receive connections from. Maybe they were hired in that area, or maybe it's their parents themselves. And they're like, you know what, I have two or three slots that you can take, that you can bring your kids for. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. What are some of your visions for the school? 
for the future of the School of Health Professions? I think that's a great question. Um, for me, when I first came to um, health, um, we had, um, how do you say it? We had dual credit classes, but there was no pattern, if you will. It was dual credit class here, it was dual credit class there, it was dual credit class here. And so my, uh, my original vision was to make sure that the students understood dual credit. Why is this even important to them? Because once they understand that, then we as a campus can determine, are we doing the best that we can for them? Um, so when we first started on the journey, the kids had some inkling, they didn't have some. Um, I got together with a group of teachers in the school, and I said, let's see what other uh, avenues are available in the dual credit route for our kids, because healthcare or the health science areas is very difficult in terms of internships due to students' ages. Um, so what is out there for our, for our kids? Because we are at a district of innovation. So you have career institutes, I have P-TECs, H-TECs, uh, early colleges that we are competing with. And so in order to be able to effectively recruit kids for your program, you have to have a viable program that is attractive and that mm -hmm. continues to be attractive. It's about maintaining your relevance, right? Um, and so we, we sat down and we looked through the, the crosswalks, if you will, at the Dallas College. And we found one that led to a level one certificate. And so we changed the framework and the structure and the foundation of our program to incorporate that. So health has five pathways. One of our pathways is completely dual credit and it's patient care technician. One of the outcomes of that is this year um, will be our inaugural class that is eligible to participate in commencement exercises with Dallas College. Oh, wow. And so they will participate um, in May, and it's my group that um, is on the patient care technician route, and they will receive a level one certificate for vocational patient care technician. Hmm. Okay. okay. So it's kind of like I've had the opportunity to see a need, to kind of put a plan together to see if it worked. Um, we had some parts that were good, some parts that were not good, but every year our kids are exposed to dual credit. Um, and now we have the opportunity to have a class that comes out with this particular level one certification. So we're just excited about it. I am. So you feel like you're <laughs> able to leave your own mark? Oh, absolutely, because it's never existed at the school. Now, my next route is to see, don't tell anybody, though. My <laughs> next route is to see if, if there is any partnerships that exist with a bachelor's. Mm -hmm. So remember, we're, we are a magnet school. We're not a P-TECH or a, a collegiate that has that natural pathway, right? Right. So yes. if, we, if one exists and we're able to implement it, now the relevance in the marketing that we use to recruit kids is even stronger. Mm -hmm. What other ways would you say that you still keep School of Health relevant even today? I mean, I think that's just the biggest thing is the inclusion of dual credit. Um, everybody can't say that they're leaving with the level one certificate. We couldn't say it up until this year because it's a 16-hour program, which for our kids was exactly four years. Um, we also remain relevant with our partnerships. We strive to make sure that they are partnerships and experiences that the kids enjoy 
after each of the internships, we do surveys. Hey, what do you like? What don't you like about the internship? How can it be better? Um, during the kids' spring semester of their 10th grade year, they have the option to select which of the five pathways fits your personality. So we're trying to do everything that we can to remain relevant and important based on the research and the feedback that we receive from our kids. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what impact or legacy do you hope to leave into your students as, you, as they progress in their academic and professional journey? Um, I think the impact that I would like to leave is that they're all able to say um, unequivocally without a shadow of a doubt, the School of Health Professions exposed us to opportunities. That's my whole legacy. I want to make sure that whether the students have or they don't have, that they have an opportunity to experience a lot of different things because education is truly the key. The kids don't know what questions to ask if they don't know what they should be asking. Mm -hmm. So I feel that when you expose people to different things, it just adds to their, their bank. Oh, no, I don't like that. Oh, no, I like that. <laughs> and so the more opportunities, the more chances I can expose them to things, the better. Um, I also like to use the phrase, how can I create a win-win situation? So we understand that everything can't always go our way. Mm -hmm. But if you have to negotiate, how do you create something that's good for this group and something that's good for this group? When you're talking to the teacher and you're trying to convince him or her of X, hey, I need to turn my paper in late, what makes it a win for the teacher and what makes it a win for you? Okay. Always looking for those opportunities, always keeping the horizon open. Because guess what? At the end of the day, there is not just one way to do things. There are multiple paths to success, and we never know what path leads to success. You absolutely don't know. People have been looking for the cure for cancer forever. Mm. They've tried this way, 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 this way. And guess what? When one does come, it's not going to be the only one. It's going to be a whole bunch of ways to get to the same thing. Exactly. Okay. So let's lighten the mood with some fun questions. I'm not sure how I feel about impromptu. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. If you could sit down with anyone in the world for an hour long conversation, who would it be? What would you talk about and why would you sit down with them? Knows everybody. And so I would say any of those ancestors to say, how you like me now? Am I living up? to the shoulders that I stepped on. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Am I fulfilling a dream that you had for me? You know, would I do I represent you well? Okay. And okay. I take that with all seriousness and heart because when you come from people who give all that they have to ensure that you can get out, you just want to make sure that you're doing a good job mm -hmm. and that they feel like you're paying it forward and that the people that you encounter feel like you're paying it forward. So, yeah, how you like me now? You just want to live up to their expectations. Yeah. Am, okay. am, am I doing what you wanted me to do? Right. right. Do you feel like you're living up to their expectations? Well, if you ask me, I think I'm the bomb. But, <laughs> you know, it's not about what you think. It's about what others think about you. Right. So that's why I say, how you like me now? Mm-hmm. 
So, in the spirit of imagination, if the health magnet were to be depicted in a fictional setting, like a book or a movie,、mm-hmm. what genre or theme do you think would be best capture the essence of the school? I think it would be like a medical drama. Yeah, like Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, you can do Grey's Anatomy. Good doctor. But I'm also looking at it has to be real、mm-hmm. because my kids have a lot of different stories to tell.、Mm-hmm. They don't all have the same background. I have some that are first generation. I have some that have have a lot of experience in the area. I have some that have. I have some that have not. I have some that are homeless. So yes, we can do a Grey's Anatomy, but you know it's. It's kind of like a Grey's Anatomy with a with a spin on Friday or something like that. Something <laughs>、yeah. that's just real. You know what I'm saying? Because my kids are real. Like、mm-hmm. they're gonna give it to you. They're not gonna sugarcoat it. They're not gonna have any pretense with you. They are really going to just say, "This is what I'm here with. What do you have for me?" <laughs> or、um, they may come to you in all sincereness.、Um, this is this is my background. How do I get out? Right. How do I get out? And you're、yeah. like, what do you mean? How do you get out? I I don't want to do what they've always done. I want something more for my life. So anything that has the realness, it has the hope. Yeah. Helping students make a change in their own lives、yeah. for the future. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gives them opportunities.、Mm-hmm. Well, that concludes our interview for today. Thank you for speaking with us today, Miss Gillard. We are grateful for the insightful conversation. Your words truly inspired us.、Um, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for more captivating interviews with special guests. Don't forget to connect with us on all our social medias below. Until next time, this is KSBM Radio signing off with gratitude and excitement. Stay awesome. Thank you for listening to KSBM Radio, the voice of Townview. My radio station. We hope you enjoyed the great content and great discussion, all from a student's perspective. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates at KSBM underscore TVT or on Facebook at KSBM Radio. Add them on Facebook. Check them on Facebook. Take care.